Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the guide to living inspired. I want to tonight go over the main customs of Shavuos. You guys ready to learn about Shavuos a little bit? Yep. Yeah? Okay, so what are we celebrating? What took place on Shavuos? The giving of the Torah. Oh, the giving of the Torah. <clears throat> Incorrect. Oh, man. Close. Close. The Talmud says that that when God created the world, He made a condition with the world that if the Jewish people, it says in the in the sixth day, it says at the end of the sixth day, it says Yom Hashishi, the sixth day, and the Talmud says that God made a condition with the world. After the world is completed at the end of the sixth day, he said there's going to be another sixth day, 3,000 years later, 2,000 years later, on which the Jewish people would stand at Mount Sinai, the sixth day of the month of Sivan. And on that day, if the Jewish people accept the Torah, then the entire world would continue. But if the Jewish people decided to not accept the Torah on that day, then the entire world would be destroyed. Sixth day of, day of Sivan. So, sounds like Ari's correct, right? Sixth day of Sivan. That's what we're celebrating, Shavuos. The only problem is that the Talmud makes a complicated reckoning of the time that the Jews left Egypt, the time they arrived at Mount Sinai. And the Talmud concludes, according to one of the opinions of the Talmud, which we actually, the, we, we rule according to this opinion, is that the Jewish people were ready to receive the Torah on the sixth day, but then Moshe pushed it off one day. He asked God for one more day of preparation and actually pushed off the giving of the Torah until the seventh day of Sivan. So, if the actual Ten Commandments took place on the seventh day of Sivan, what are we celebrating year after year on the sixth day of Sivan? A day when nothing happened. What? That's right. Okay, few more questions. What else are we celebrating? What are, what are the other customs of Shavuos? Anyone? Shavuos customs. I'm listening. You guys are talking. Does anyone know any other Shavuos customs? Oh, excellent. Flowers and shul. There is a custom to decorate the synagogue with actually the, uh, the Talmud says grasses. Somehow grasses have morphed into flowers. But there is an idea to adorn the synagogue with grasses. And my synagogue, they, it's unbelievable. They make like a wedding canopy. They make a chuppah around the bima where we read from the Torah with flowers woven going all the way up. Ari, you have to see it. Uh, it's unbelievable. It's like literally beautiful. What's the custom of flowers in the synagogue or grasses, plants in the synagogue? We will address that in a few minutes. Any other customs you're familiar with on Shavuos? Everyone. 
anyone. Anyone and everyone. We just talked about it a minute ago. Like literally a minute ago. We were talking about one of the foods that's eaten on Shavuos. Dairy, there's a custom to eat dairy and more specifically cheesecake. <laughs> Comes from a verse in the Torah in Shir Hashirim, Song of Songs, that compares the Torah to milk and honey. And therefore we eat milk and honey, namely cheesecake. Any other customs on Shavuos? There's one more custom and then there's a mitzvah custom that if you are participating in Shavuos this year, hopefully you will have the opportunity to do what? Read the Torah? Um, not exactly read the Torah. We do read from the Torah on every holiday. But you're on the right, along the right lines. There is a custom that goes back about 600 years to, the Ten Commandments? No, well, we do read the Ten Commandments. We read the Ten Commandments on Shavuos. But there's another custom to stay up all night on Shavuos. Oh, yeah. We stay up all night on Shavuos learning Torah. And many have the custom of staying up until dawn and praying at, with sunrise and then going to sleep and waking up around 1 o'clock to have the meal. Other people as is the Hasidic custom, stay up right until dawn, around 4 a.m., and then go to the mikvah, and then go to sleep, and wake up refreshed, 9 o'clock, to go pray. So, um, where, what's the custom of staying up all night and learning? Obviously, it's important to learn, but why all night? What's the significance? And finally, finally, um, there are two mitzvahs to mention about Shavuos. Biblically speaking, is there, are there any special mitzvahs on Shavuos? On Passover we eat matzah, on Sukkot we sleep in a sukkah and we shake lulav. What about on Shavuos? Are there any mitzvahs associated with Shavuos? The answer is yes. There is one mitzvah associated on Shavuos that we do not do anymore because it's a it's a temple mitzvah. There is a an offering, a special offering brought on Shavuos known as the Shtehalechem, two loaves of bread, which are brought into the temple and placed on the altar. This is significant because bread is never brought on the altar except on Shavuos. And finally, the Talmud says, there are two different opinions on the Talmud of what, how you should celebrate Jewish holidays. One opinion, the majority opinion, is that the holidays can be celebrated by eating, but you also need to pray. You need a combination of praying, learning, and eating. That there's, it's called chetzi l'shem, chetzi l'chem. Half the day is for you to enjoy yourself, your family, and half the day is for Hashem, of praying and learning. But there's an, a minority opinion, Rabbi Eliezer, who holds that 
holidays have to either be all for Hashem or all for you. Either eat and drink and enjoy your, the whole day or pray and fast the whole day. It's up to you. You can choose how you want to spend the holiday. Whichever you enjoy more, whichever way you think is a better celebration, that's the one you do. Except on Shavuos. Says Rabbi Eliezer on Shavuos, you must have a meal. You have no choice but to have a meal. Now that sounds counterintuitive. You would think that on the day when we receive the Torah, that's the day we should all be the most spiritual. Why is it that Rabbi Eliezer says on this day, everyone has to eat? Even if you love fasting and praying, you got to eat on Shavuos. So let's try to answer all these questions together, okay? I'll try to do it as quickly as possible. What happened on the sixth day of Sivan? The entire Jewish people were gathered at Mount Sinai ready to receive the Torah. And Moshe was given over the power of Torah. The, the Talmud says that when Moshe went up to get the Torah, the angels started to get really upset. They said to God, what is this human being doing up here amongst us? Why is he going to get the Torah? What does he deserve the Torah? And God says to Moshe, Moshe, answer them. And Moshe responds to the angels, do you have bodies? Do you have parents? Do you have possessions? Do you worship idols? Do you murder? Do you steal? And he basically goes through the Ten Commandments and shows the angels that the angels have no relevance to the Torah. How could they? The Torah is clearly meant for man. And the angels agree. But it begs the question, what were the angels thinking? Why did they think that Moshe didn't deserve the Torah? Why did they think the Torah belongs in heaven for the angels when the angels clearly can't keep the laws of the Torah? So the commentaries explain that what the angels didn't want Moshe to get were the secrets of the Torah, the Kabbalistic secrets of the Torah, because those are relevant for angels as well. Angel, the Torah in Kabbalah is described as black fire on white fire. The Torah is described as names of God. The entire Torah is just names of God, different manifestations and understandings and permutations of names of God. If you truly understand the Torah, the, the Zohar says, God looked into the Torah and created the world. The Torah is a blueprint for creation. The angels said, okay, man can have the mitzvahs of the Torah, but why should man have the Kabbalistic secrets of the Torah? Why should man be able to literally become a partner with God in creating the world? To be able to tap into the greatest secrets of creation, to be able to literally create reality through the secrets of the Torah. And the response was that no, because man has a body, man deserves both parts of the Torah. So God says to Moshe, grab onto my throne of glory. Moshe grabs onto the throne of glory and he responds to the angels. And I think the message is, is that because Moshe's feet, a human being's feet are on the earth and his head is all the way in the heavens, literally we have the ability to bridge both worlds. The angels can learn the Kabbalah, the secrets of the Torah, but they can never put it into action. We, on the other hand, have the ability to do both, to bring the greatest secrets of spirituality in to the physical world. And that was what was given over to Moshe 
on the sixth day of Sivan. On the sixth day of Sivan, Hashem gave Moshe literally the keys to control reality. He gave Moshe the secrets of the Torah. And do you know what Moshe did? The second he got the secrets of the Torah, he literally used those keys to change the course of history and push off the most monumental event in human history one day, just to show that now we are partners with Hashem in creating the world. That's the power of the Torah. The Torah gives us the ability to literally transform reality, to take spirituality and bring it into physicality and literally to, 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 to turn this physical world into a spiritual world. So on the sixth day of Sivan, we aren't celebrating the Ten Commandments. Those are given on the seventh day of Sivan. On the sixth day of Sivan, we're celebrating the spiritual power that was given to the Jewish people through the Torah, with which when we connect to the Torah, we literally become partners with Hashem in literally being able to drive reality. It's through this power that the Jewish people and the righteous people throughout time had the ability to literally split water, to literally move mountains, to stop the sun. That's what we're celebrating on Shavuos. Now, what does this have to do with the different customs of Shavuos? So what is Torah? What's so unique about Torah as we just explained? It's literally the deepest secrets of reality enclosed in physical vessels that through keeping Torah, we have the ability to do mitzvahs and mitzvahs enable us to literally bring God into the world, into the physical world. That's what's unique about Torah. The Talmud says that if a person says that there's wisdom by the goyim, by the nations of the world, believe them, it's true. The nations of the world have incredible wisdom, including spirituality. But if, those, if someone tells you that the nations of the world have Torah, do not believe them. Because what is Torah? Torah is the ability to take physicality into spirituality. For a non-Jew to be spiritual, it's necessary to separate and disconnect from physicality. For a Jew to be spiritual, it's specifically through the physical that we, that we bring out the spiritual. So now, let's go through the customs of the day. We mentioned custom number one. We mentioned flowers in the synagogue. So that's based on a Talmudic source, which says that when God gave the Torah on Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai, the mountain, became covered in grass. And to signify and, and symbolize Mount Sinai, we bring grass into the synagogue. Now, that is a really weird way to symbolize Mount Sinai. If, you were, if I, it was up to me, I wanted to symbolize Mount Sinai, in the synagogue, I would build a mountain in the middle of the synagogue. I would put a, a eruptive volcano. I'd bring in some lightning thunder machines, right? Light candles all around. Why grass? And the answer is just as we explained. Because the goal of Torah is to transform the desert into an oasis. Mount Sinai is a desert. There ain't no grass in the desert. That's literally the message of what Torah is. It's to bring the spiritual into the physical. Okay? You like that? That's good stuff. Now, cheesecake. 
there are two. Normally, if you eat, uh, uh, we can't eat non-kosher animals. And normally anything that comes out of a non-kosher animal is also not kosher. For example, um, pig's milk is not kosher. Camel's milk, not kosher. Horse's milk, not kosher. So too, the eggs of, of birds that are not kosher, right? Vulture eggs, not kosher. There are two exceptions of byproducts of non-kosher animals that are kosher. What are they? Honey and um, breast milk. Oh, very good, Jacob. Did you did you have this in a trivia event one time? So I had I got into a debate about this on the Shabbos one because <laughs> they they were saying that um, that with breast milk that it's it's only for babies and that adults can't be, and they can get rabbinic lashes for that. And we were talking about that. Oh, really interesting. Right, but but ultimately it's kosher biblically, right? So honey, honey comes from a bee. Bees are not kosher. All insects are not kosher, with the exception of certain types of locusts. Yet honey is kosher. Why? Because the Torah says a land flowing with milk and honey. The honey that the Torah is referring to there is actually date honey, but because it's called honey, we also learn that honey, honey, bees, honey is kosher. So says the Baal Shem Tov that the reason honey is so sweet is precisely because it comes from a non-kosher source. The sweetest things are the things that we transform. The bad that we transform into good. The silver lining that we find in the rain clouds. The negative character traits that we have within ourselves that we transform for good. Those are the sweetest things in our life. And one of the reasons the Jewish people went into exile amongst the nations of the world is literally to convert people to Judaism. Although we do not proselytize, we don't look for converts, one of our missions is to find that those converts should find us. Because one of the goals of Judaism is to take the good that's hidden in the world and bring it back to God. So honey, the second one, milk. Mother's milk. Mothers are not kosher. And yet their milk is kosher. Can't eat humans. So once again, we have the symbolism here of something that's not pure becoming pure. Again, symbolized beautifully in the message of the Torah to bring spirituality into the darkest places. Two more things we said, you have to eat on Shavuos. Why do you have to eat on Shavuos? Because the whole holiday is celebrating our engagement in the physical, of bringing the spiritual into the physical. And that's actually a symbolism of bread on the altar. Bread represents the refinement of the physical world, us taking the physical and making it human. Right? God makes kernels. We turn that those kernels into bread. Bread represents our ability to uplift the physical world and make it even greater. Bread also symbolize, symbolizes chametz, which we learned on Pesach. Chametz represents the negative impulses of a person, the Yetzirah, arrogance. And yet we take that and we uplift it and we bring it into the temple on Shavuos. And finally, the idea of staying up all night. So just, just a nice idea I just thought of tonight. Somebody was saying in shul that, you know, he said like, you know, Amazon is great, saves you a lot of time. Do you agree or disagree? Amazon is great, it saves you a lot 
time. Yeah, you could just buy whatever you want. You don't have to go to the store. I would say it's true. True? Jacob, agree or disagree? An evil necessity. Okay. I like Amazon until I heard this guy in Shul say, you're absolutely wrong. He said, it used to be you need something, you drive to the store, you go into the store, you buy it. Now you can spend six hours comparing prices on every single item that ever was created in the history of man and end up not buying any of them. How many hours do you spend trying to find a deal on Amazon or reading the comparisons or looking for the best price or the best reviews? I don't. Good point. I don't because I get, I get an email from Slick Deals that tells me it. Oh. I don't have to do anything. All right, you got you to share that with me. But okay. so, so, so my friend said that his, his father-in-law will buy everything he wants at the first price he sees. He doesn't, he doesn't price compare. He doesn't look around for deals. He said, it's worth it for me to spend a few thousand dollars more a year to save a few hours of my life. Yeah. People say that time is money. Time is not money. Time is life. The worst expression in the English language is killing time. You're not killing time. You're killing yourself. We're in this world for a finite amount of time. We have an obligation to utilize that time. Milk and meat cannot be mixed. One of the explanations why you can't mix milk and meat is because meat represents... Life. Meat represents... Death. Milk represents... Life. To put milk on your burger essentially taking the substance that represents the purest form of life sustenance and putting on a dead cow is literally the most callous act you can do. You're basically, you're basically taking something that's beautiful and putting on something that's, that's a necessary evil. And so we don't mix milk and meat. That's one of the explanations. So if, Meat represents death and milk represents life. So another explanation for why we eat milk on, on Shavuos is because we're celebrating life. We're celebrating the importance of literally utilizing our life, our life, the physical life that we have to do mitzvahs. You can only do mitzvahs in this world. You can't do them when you leave this world. It says the Vilna Gon cried on his deathbed. He said, in this world for a few pennies, I could have bought a pair of tzitzis and performed infinite number of mitzvahs wearing those tzitzes. But as soon as I leave this world, no money in the world is gonna get me a mitzvah. I can't do them anymore. It's only something you can do with your physical body. The idea of a mitzvah is bringing the physical, spiritual into the physical. What's the definition of life? If you were to give me a, a, a metaphysical equation for life, what are the two ingredients necessary for life to exist? How, what is life? Life requires two components in order for it to happen. And I don't mean mother and father. For you to be alive, what needs to be happening right now? Physical, uh, body, biological, something. 
physical body, correct, with soul. soul. Bingo. Definition of life is body and soul coming together. As soon as your body and soul separate, that's called death. Life is when body and soul comes together. The goal of the Torah is to bring together bodies and souls, to bring spirituality to physicality. The Torah is a celebration of life. That's what life is all about. That's why we, another reason why we eat milk, a novel explanation of my own, of why we drink milk on, on Shavuos, is bringing life into the world. Bodies and souls coming to, together, spirituality and physicality. And that's why we don't sleep on Shavuos, because sleep is a necessary evil. Sleep is death. We said we learned yesterday, Jacob. I think that was you. That sleep is a is a taste of death. All right, was that you? I I, I said this yesterday. Sleep is one sixtieth of death. Sleep is a taste of death. We don't want to sleep. Sleep is something we want to avoid. On Shavuos, we want to celebrate life. Let's run away from sleep. Let's allow ourselves to engage fully in life because that's why we're here in this world. So I want to wish you guys a beautiful, beautiful Shavuos. Take a few moments to learn some Torah Thursday night. Stay up as a little bit later than you normally do. If you can do it, stay up the whole night. If you can do it even more, go to the mikvah right before dawn. And if you are so inclined, pray at sunrise. It is an amazing experience. If you would rather have, be awake for the prayers as opposed to falling asleep, take a nap for a few hours and then wake up and pray. But ultimately, uh, the day is a day of celebrating life of celebrating our ability to bring spirituality into physicality, of eating, enjoying the world, but doing so in a way that connects us to God. Thank you guys so much for listening.